Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Bove in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is a show that brings you a greater range of actionable business tips and ideas from experts from all around the world than you will find practically in any other single place on the internet. We always have interesting guests. Today is certainly no exception. But first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen Bove from down the road from me in Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit our website at theyackingshow.com. Click on the contacts tab and simply complete a very short application form. We would love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is David Angel coming to us from the United Kingdom. Hello, David. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me today. Now, David, you are the founder of the Ultimate Sales Training Academy. You help businesses increase sales and improve their strategies, giving higher conversions and rocketing profits. We can't wait to delve into that topic. <laughs> but first, for our audience, can you give us a little bit about your background and what led you to begin the Ultimate Sales Training Academy? Sure. Well, first off, thank you, Kathleen. Thanks, for Peter, for having me on. Um, I fell into sales it wasn't um, something I had on a, a, a like the Lamborghini picture on my wall of becoming a sales <laughs> guy. Um, I fell into it after not studying at school um, and I wasn't any good at it. There's no big story about lemonade stands or any of that stuff. I fell into it. Um, I was pretty terrible at it for quite a while. And then I met someone and I couldn't put it together how he was any good because I looked at him and I thought he was terrible. <laughs> and it made me realise um the what sales actually was and what I always thought it was was very different and actually it was about a series of frameworks and processes and strategies and better questioning um that that really reveal a lot of things and I think with sales and within business a lot of people ask questions to respond rather than really seeking to understand people down to to the a level far enough down that will get you results um, so I went through through life and built businesses. Um, I had a breakdown um, after a number of years and I went back to zero. I lost my wine bar. I lost my businesses. And someone phoned me up and he said to me, I'm really sorry to hear about everything that happened. Are you still any good at sales? And I said, I think so. And he said, well, can you come and talk to my team? Because they're awful. And I went into their business and I have a knack of being able to sit and listen to someone on a phone call, not hear what the other person's saying and still mentor them. And we went in and we, we generated about 60, 65,000 pounds worth of business inside of, I think, 72 hours. Wow. At the time, yeah. So, but at the time, they were only doing about 140,000 a month. So they were like, oh, this is great. And I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the coaching. I enjoyed going in and fixing problems that other people thought they couldn't fix um and, and from there over time we've worked in i think we've got clients in seven countries um we developed the platform to enable people to train from anywhere in the world and now we work with solopreneurs coaches consultants the standalone business owner which normally is an expert in their field but got no idea how to make the money come in or we work with organizations with sales teams but have got blind spots in their business that are normally using out methods mm -hmm. um, that used to work five, 10 years ago, and now they don't. And we help 
rejuvenate their team, get things aligned um, and get them to perform at a higher level. And that's really what we do. Wow. <clears throat> that That is a fascinating story, right? I, I, wow. And uh, so thank goodness that you kept your sales skills and it, it served you well second time around, right? Indeed, for sure. I, I was pretty so. I, I think it's interesting. We all take for granted the skills that we have because we have them every day. And it's only when you match them against yep. someone else that you really get to see where your strengths or your weaknesses really lie. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I did a lot of early years working door-to-door jobs and crazy different situations that give you an appreciation that when you find something that you really are good at, you'll double down on. And I, I think there's always a blessing in anything we do. I think sometimes yeah. you struggle to find it. For sure, for sure. So with with all that experience that you've had now, well, what's the single biggest factor that um, prevents sales forces from having good closing rates? Um, they focus on asking for the order instead of over-delivering. Mm-hmm. The way I talk to a lot of people is, if we imagine, say, Kathleen's looking to potentially buy something, it's not that I'm the big fix for Kathleen's life. It's actually the fact is that what we can do for a very small period of our life can make a massive impact. And by using us, her life will be improved or we'll cut down the learning time of her doing it herself. Look at sales coaching that we deal with now. I say to a lot of business owners, you could do this without me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people won't say that. I'm like, you could, but it might take you five, 10 years because you've got to do the trials, do the errors, make the mistakes, do the blood, sweat and tears. I can show you the blood, sweat and tears I did for 20 years. You can learn from my mistakes. So it's a bit of a cheat code. And I think for a lot of people that are in sales, they never planned it as a career. So they've never gone full into it. And a lot of salespeople come in at a role where they earn 30K a year. After a couple of years, they're making 70, 80,000 a year, 100,000. And suddenly they can't believe their luck. And good is the thief of great. And people get to that 80, 100,000. They never thought they'd get to that stage. And then they suddenly go, I've learned it all. I've retired champ. There's no reason to do anything else. So they stop learning and then they can't see the difference where they're at 100K from the people that are doing half a million. Mm -hmm. And so they stop trying to learn. And I think for a lot of people out there now that have got bad or lower conversions that they want, they're replicating what they did five years ago or three Uh years ago in a different industry, in a different environment to different people. And they say people have changed and they should change. We're not designed to stay the same. And a lot of people are still hitting the bat, hitting the ball with the bat in the same way they were five years ago. And buying habits have completely changed. Sure. And that gap is where the low conversions happen. So yep. I think for a lot of people out there, by being updated on modern methods, no clever one-liners, being more effective with your processes, being more committed to your clients, being more prepared to ask uncomfortable questions, being more prepared to do everything that's out there. I think a lot of people in business think it's their right to get clients. Mm-hmm. They think it's their, I've got a great product or service you should buy from me. Great. That's what everyone tells us. How how do I know it's different? And the big problem for most of us out there is we've all had bad experiences. Let's say since January, every January, I've tried to lose weight, right? And I've done that for 20 years and I've failed. Even if Peter's got the best weight loss product on the planet, I have a lack of belief, but I'll stay committed because I'm used to letting myself down. So you can have the best product Mm -hmm. in the world. If I don't believe I'm going to use it in the right way, why would I waste my money? And so what we're trying to do is remove resistance, increase flow, increase the likelihood of success, 
and make the worst case scenario for the buyer better than the price they pay. And when you can do that, people are happy to buy it. Right. Sure, sure. I, I got to add, ask you some, an additional little thing here that when you were talking about um, people doing what they did five years ago, it's not one of the a big problem. And I've experienced this back in my corporate days. In in bigger companies that have a sales force, they very often take the best salesperson and promote them to sales manager. And while that person <clears throat> might be in a pretty good salesman or woman, uh, they're a pretty hopeless <clears throat> trainer and sales. That there, yeah, so I mean, moving salespeople into managers is yeah, it can be a great thing, but they're not a clone, they're not good, they're not scientists, right? Yep. And a lot of people go, Okay, Kathleen, you're amazing, you're incredible, you do a great job, we want you to turn them into you. Well, she's not a scientist, she's a great salesperson, and she might have the ability to replicate that, but it doesn't mean it works well. Think of it like being a chef. Imagine Kathleen's the best cook. We go to her house, and every night she blows us away with cooking me and you, Peter, a lovely dinner. And then someone says, you should open a restaurant. And then suddenly she's cooking for 100 people. And Kathleen doesn't like that because she liked cooking for two people in the comfort of her own home. That's what happens with salespeople when a yep. lot of the time they get promoted. They liked being a lone ranger. They liked being independent. They liked being unaccountable to anyone, but they delivered results. And suddenly there's a pressure to articulately um, deliver and describe and build a framework and process for someone to show them what they did. They're unconsciously competent in what they do. So they don't even know what they do. Well, that's right. Because yeah. they're unconsciously competent. Yeah. It's like saying, how, how do you actually breathe? <laughs> you go, okay, well, my lung does you this. Don't know. <laughs> it's a hard thing to describe, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about oh, yeah. how does electricity work? I don't know. I just turn the switch on. And a lot of great salespeople just turn a switch on. They just, they just talk mm -hmm. and it happens. They can't explain why. So then, but they struggle to narrate that into a way for under performers with a different mindset and skill set to get them to work. Right. You've, yeah. you've, you've touched on this already about outdated sales methods, but can you tell us how the sales process has evolved over time? Yes. A prime example is this. There was a study done in the seventies from, I think it was an Oxford university. And it's called the 873 rule. And the 873 rule, this is very outdated, stated that 73% of buyers needed clarification on five or more points before they're ready to buy. And only 8% of the sales force were still closing deals at that point. Mm -hmm. If we look at today, people need as many as 16 to 18 touch points, not five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if now you follow the old methods, five people need to be followed up with five times you're going to miss out on a vast majority of potential buyers. And what happens with a lot of the old school methods, people are do or die. Buy from me now, better than pressure and all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Buyers are smarter, thankfully, than they've ever been before. Right. They know what they want and they want to hear it in their head. They don't want to make a decision. They just know. You know when um, a cuckoo clock, it just turns and then the cuckoo flies out. That's what it should be like with our decision making. As that hand just turns to our belief level, it's just, I'm ready to buy. Mm -hmm. And being able to spot that is vital. The old school method would be leading people with 50 types of yeses, so eventually they go, handing out lots of alternative choices to lead them down a path. I will tell people now, and I will get on a conversation, I will cold call people, and I'll phone them and say, hey, this is a completely cold call, so if you want to hang up now, you can. Or give me 10 seconds and I'll tell you what. And people are blown away. But I'm like, God, I can't believe you'd say that. We need to tell him your company and you do this. And you're like, no one cares. They've heard it right. for so many times. Yep. 
they're not interested. So to be different, we've got to be different. So by phoning someone up and saying, hey, this is a cold call, you can hang up or <laughs> give me 30 seconds. People are curious. They go, well, what's it about? And now you've got an opportunity to talk. Now you're standing out from yeah. a crowd. Does everyone like it? No, but not everyone likes a cold call anyway. So there's hundreds yeah. of small changes that happen. And with the benefits of automation, um, websites, landing pages, smartphones and everything else that's actually going on there's a lot that you can do behind the scenes outside of the normal sales presentation but you couldn't do five ten years ago i could mm -hmm. be on a call on a zoom call now and share a whiteboard and i could have a text sent to you and i can have a video follow-up and this so there's so many tools in the background it's not just a salesperson going out there with their spear to hunt for the, the evening meal now they're a well-crafted tool in a part of a bigger wheel that delivers results. And that's why people need to make sure they're training their people right so they're effective in business. Mm -hmm. well, and that's a really good point as well, David, because, you know, when when I went to university and, and the business uh, programs, they teach you marketing, they teach you economics, they teach you computers, but they don't teach you sales. And, and that's, that's really quite quite interesting to me that something so fundamental and people use their selling skills in all sorts of ways every single day and they don't even realize it but it's not something that's taught in schools sorry peter i took I, I, that's all right go ahead i think with a lot of people at the moment as well it's easy to teach, teach marketing as a theory it's easy mm -hmm. to teach business as a theory and it can make sense sales doesn't make sense on paper it no. makes sense in a real conversation yeah yeah and that's the real big difference and i think that's why so i could if i if i say to you that example about cold calling so many people go, oh my gosh that would not work i'm telling you it does and so what our brain will rationalize that will work and what will actually work in the real world is very different in sales and i think the reason a lot of people can't sell is because sales is vastly to do with tonality rather than the words that are used. Mm -hmm. We've used an exercise before and says, I never told you to kill him. Have you ever heard this exercise? Mm -mm. No. So I'll do it really quick. It literally takes us 30 seconds. So what it talks about is the power of word, the power of tone over word, sorry. So if I say, I never told you to kill him, you get an understanding. If I say, I never told you to kill him, we get mm -hmm. a different one. If I yep. say, I never told you to kill him, or I never told you to kill him. Each one is a very different bit just by changing the tone on one word. Right. And in sales, you could say thousands of words. And you say the tonality at the wrong point. You have a, a, a positive or a negative inflection at one word. And the impression that the other person has massively changes. And that's where people really struggle to master sales. Because yep. they like to sell in the way that they like to buy instead of selling in a way that your clients like to buy. And that's a dramatic change for most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. That is excellent. So we have our audio, in our audience, we have people that are business to business uh, marketers, sales, salespeople, and we have people that are business to consumer. And there's obviously some differences in the two processes, but uh, are a lot of the processes similar if you want to be effective at both? Yes. I think that when we're talking when we're talking sales, it's like saying sports. Yep. They've got similarities, but there's big variables. 
Right. If you look at business to business, there's massive variables. If you've got a company that's, <laughs> excuse me, if you've got a company that's got 20 people, the likelihood is you'll get through to a full decision maker that has mm-hmm. people of influence below them. But you'll be talking to the decision maker. You get to 50 people in a company, the likelihood is the decision maker is three or four people. So suddenly you're in a longer sales cycle where you've got to bring different pieces of the puzzle together and align them. And it starts with someone four rungs down on a ladder. When you're talking with a company with 10 people or say you're talking to a company of five people, you're talking to the chef, the bottle wash, the barman and everything all wrapped into one. So what you're then trying to do is go, okay, well, actually what my product or service does, what is the easiest route to market that has the lowest level of resistance, the easiest level of flow, which is still a profitable turn? With our platform, I could send a link now and we could put 10,000 people onto the platform without me doing any work. But for me to get into a company to sign up a 10,000 person company might take me two years. Mm -hmm. In that same time, I could phone every day. I could phone 20 solopreneurs or small business owners that have got five salespeople and talk to a decision maker. And that's where it really comes down to what are you trying to do? And I think when you're talking about B2B, there's big variables. And B2C, the reason people are buying is very different. B2C, it directly affects their life. Yep. B2B, often people are making decisions to keep their job. Yep. You get some people that will make a decision just to save their bonus. Some people will put off a buying decision because they've already got the bonus in the bag and they want to save it for next quarter. You get someone in a B2C side, they'll make a decision because it changed their life today. And they are with that life forevermore. B2B, they're in a job for a time period. So it depends on whether they like the job, what they're trying to do. So I think there's a lot of variables outside each and I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve on what side you should really focus on. Okay. Well, now mm-hmm. you have to tell Good us answer. about your ultimate sales training academy. <laughs> so we wanted to be able, I've got a goal to impact 10 million people in a positive way that are sales and business professionals. With all the intents and purposes in the world, I couldn't do that one-on-one. So what we decided was um, to take everything that's been in here for 20 years and record that into individual videos that people can access from anywhere in the world. They just need a phone, a desktop, a tablet, and an internet connection. But it also means that we can actually deliver high standard results to people without them paying for the nose, and it doesn't matter where they are in the world. And one of the big twists with what we do with our platform, it's not a course or a program, it's an actual platform. So say you've got a company, Kathleen, with 15 salespeople, we can inside the platform build a hub just for you and your company. And you can see what each of your people have done, how many things they've seen, what they've passed, what they've failed. And so you've got your hub in your business inside of our hub. And we can have hundreds of individual hubs that we can individually tailor so that your business gets a tailored result that everyone can log into at any point. And that really is the, the big goal now is for the platform to become that go-to place for whether it's for a standalone salesperson, whether it's for a small business owner, or whether it's an organization that just doesn't have modern training for their team that works, but want to have something that they can pay a few hundred pounds a month for um, and bolt it straight into their business. Again, remove the resistance and increase the flow. That's really what we try to do. Oh, fantastic. Wow. that's That, that is really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So <clears throat> we hear a lot, and, and we're talking more about consumer sales now, about influencers. 
So, and a lot about personal brands. How important is is a sales manager or business owner's personal brand and influencer status in the their success with uh, running a profitable business and getting sales? I I think that if you've ever known a company that had a serious sales manager, but have you ever bought a car from them? A sales manager was just amazing. That was a personal brand. Like you liked that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The difference is now that they have a website and a personal branded page and they're more deliberate about it. I think a lot of businesses out there, personal brands are great. We have the Sales Angel brand, which that, that whole thing came around because I wanted a handle for social media. So we had David the Sales Angel because it had my name and what I did. So anyone who right. saw a post that said it was easy to go, oh, that does sales. Yep. So then a personal brand comes from that. I think it's going to become more and more important as time goes on. I think less people are going to become employees and more people are going to become contractors. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to be a self-employed contractor for a business, people need to be able to look at you and go, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Where beforehand it wasn't, it was an interview. It was your college degree. It was the companies you've worked at. Right. Where actually now you could go onto someone's social media and if it's done in the right way, you go, they're really doing well. Mm-hmm. I like the way they do that. If they were in my business, they would be an asset. Now, is there a lot of old Tosh that's out there for social media? Yes. But in the same way, there was always a lot of CVs that had made stuff, made up stuff on it. Oh, yeah. It's right. about our job is a way to find out between the two. And for a lot of people out there, people focus on building a personal brand for building a personal brand's sake. I think let your results speak what you do. Sure. And additionally, you build a personal brand. I think that can make a big difference, but I don't think it should substitute good work. Mm-hmm. So no, you're right. if a company is brand new and doesn't really have a brand presence, how does your, how can your academy help? You don't really need to have a presence. It helps. I mean, if we take two cars, one's a Bentley and one looks exactly like a Bentley, we have a level of confidence by buying the brand of Bentley. Mm-hmm. But if I could get you in the other car and prove to you why it was so great, then we're part way there because mm-hmm. it's fulfilling a need of a car. I've worked with, I've had a conversation with someone two hours ago. They have um, a coaching business. They have a great product. They're a great expert, but they don't have the frameworks and strategies and processes to align themselves with their audience. Mm-hmm. Think of it like, Elon Musk doesn't come Mm -hmm. across great on camera, right? He says some crazy stuff. Now, if he wasn't so well known and he was just Joe Bloggs with a little garage where he built cars, people would struggle to buy into his dream. Mm -hmm. Buy into it because he's done PayPal and SpaceX and he's one of the most well-known people. But if we forgot who he was tomorrow and just watched his interviews, it'd be hard. What we do is we help people put it together. Most people are building eight jigsaws in a business at one time and it takes mm-hmm. a lifetime to get it to work we show them the frameworks and strategies we show like a back catalog we go this is what we've done for everyone else we research where you are now and we do a 90 minute deep dive and we basically it's like being shipwrecked on an island on a boat you'd want to take inventory of what you've got so we help people do that you know when you get your car and you get it validated and you fall in love with it again because you're like wow it looks great by the end of our, our deep dive with people, they look at their, their, their business like it's been validated. Because mm-hmm. then they're like, and now I love this, and this if you don't need, and that needs to be done, and we'll do that. So now there's a priority. And then what we do is we look for blind spots in their business, 
every business has blind spots that they don't appreciate because they don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. We take those blind spots, we expose them, we adjust them, and we turn them into positives. And then we literally walk people through what to say, how to say it, what to do next. And then they're following it a bit like a paint by numbers method, but based on their personality. And then that drives revenue. And we combine that with um, framework skill sets and then with automations as well. So people get the direct interaction with people combined with automation so that they can scale the business out to an effective way. Excellent. Mm, very good. So here's one for you looking ahead. If we, you know, your crystal ball is probably a lot better focused than ours. Uh, with things like AI-generated content, and now we're getting AI-generated graphics <laughs> and pictures and even even videos, I believe, um, and then this whole metaverse thing of, of <clears throat> augmented reality. Uh, what what are the implications there for, for sales going ahead as we uh, move it's forward? It's like anything. Do you remember when um, contactless come up on our on our bank cards and everyone freaked out? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my God, so you could just touch my card and take my money. What happened eventually? Can you imagine not using contactless now? I can't. And it's going to be very similar. We use artificial intelligence now within our mm-hmm. business. So one, our platform, when you go on, there's an AI character that talks to you. It's interactive, our platform. So it tracks and monitors what you're doing. And we actually use transcription services. So when we do a coaching call, that listens to the different people and transcribes what we do. Um, we've got a copy service that we can put details and it'll artificially populate um, copy. So it's a tool. Yeah. It's like saying... When the car was invented, what are we going to do about walking? Well, you can still walk, <laughs> but it can help you get a, to your destination a little bit quicker. A little bit quicker. Right? Yeah. Until it breaks down. And then when it breaks down, we say walking was better. Right. Um, so I'm not remotely concerned. With any time we have a big influx in something, we normally resort back to what we used to like. I think people will get sick of tech and then they miss the human connection, which we're seeing more now after the lockdown. Yep. That um, and so because of that, I think that the one-on-one communication is, is vitally important. I can send people to as many AIs as you want, but they're still missing the human connection that people have. Mm-hmm. With what we do with coaching, people want our help. They want someone by their side to support them. They don't want another Hey Siri in the house. Right. <laughs> right. They want someone there. My phone's now beeping though I said that. Um, they want someone there that's <laughs> going to directly communicate with them and help them overcome their hurdles. Mm-hmm. And actually, will that can that get replaced? Yes, in the same way a, a um robot can replace a factory worker, but some people are still going to want to make have handmade cars. Right. Some people are going to hold oh, yeah. value to handmade stuff. Not everyone wants it to be that way. And that's why it's so important to develop the skills so that you don't just become average at what you do, you become great. Great. Because if you're great in sales, you can go to any industry that you want. Sure, sure. Very good. Thank you for that. Um, So here's what I call my burning question. I ask all successful people this question, and you're certainly in that category. So, David, in your wide experience, is there one habit or mindset or characteristic that sets successful people apart from those that really remain average? And I don't just mean about making a lot of money. I mean... (laughs) people who, who accumulate wealth and but have a good life and a happy life and found the balance. Is there one thing or is it more complicated? I don't think there's one thing. I think everyone's probably got one thing. I've got two kids. They're my, one, they're my, they're my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized years ago after my breakdown, but if, I, if we were all out to sea together and we were stranded, I would tread water longer to keep you alive than I would if I was on my own. 
And when you realize the way your body works, your brain works, you can then find your why far easier. And once you know what you do and why you do it and how you do it, and you know your flaws, it's easier to live your life. I think the a lot of people that are successful, it wasn't a choice. Mm-hmm. They're addicted. They're addicted to what they build. Like, look at Elon Musk. He literally spends seven days a week, 20 hours a day in those areas doing those things. He sleeps mm-hmm. in the factory on the factory floor. Like he's obsessed with what he does. And I think if you can have a passion and be obsessed, you're going to far, you're going to have a far higher chance of long-term success. The saying I always like is the person that loves walking will always go further than the person that loves the destination. Mm-hmm. And if you can fall in mm-hmm. love with the process, it doesn't feel as much like work. And when it's painful, you're happy to keep flowing with it. And I think that makes a massive difference. Excellent. Oh, yeah, goodness. yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, we are running uh, short on time, David. Unfortunately, I, I, I would love for you to come back to the show. Yeah, we come back. I can come back anytime. Oh, Fine. wonderful. I like doing this stuff. But first, how do people contact you? Okay, so you can go to thesalesangel.com. That's the easiest thing to do. Or you can go to David the Sales Angel on a multitude of different platforms from um, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn instagram the whole nine yards um and drop me a dm um and have a chat and we've got loads of free trainings that we give out to people to help them um to help you move forward Wonderful. okay let me make sure i've got this right this so it's salesangel.com the salesangel.com the salesangel.com not not .co.uk which i was about to write down .com got it i got it thank you very much david we will put that on there thanks for having me today and we'll do it again Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.